The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one. That's right. I like a big whole-ass. That's right. I like a big whole-ass. Who likes half an ass? No, you want to do the whole-ass. I want the whole-ass. You know it. Yeah, I like that one. I'm one of my favorite openings yet. And I Uh, know what that was in reference to. Yes. And the team. Right. Listen. Yes. The team listened to They your did advice. listen. They whole did. Whole asked it. No, they whole asked it. You're right. I mean, that might have to be a new segment. Maybe we just created something there. You know, when you when you improve something, you go to the whole ass category. Yep. But we will get to that. What's up, Chris Sins? Ahmed Farid, you're the man. Looking so handsome today, so manicured. Really look good. Thank you. I got a haircut. Good. And they went they went shorter than normal. That oh. happens from time to time. Yes, right? it does. Go, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's trim it up normally. And then but it's go, okay. You took a lot of it away. Right. Where did it all go well you're good I don't think you have to worry about being bald or anything like that but they did and I kind of like it yeah right? so maybe next time I'll say you know what go do what short, you did last time go and, short and they'll fuck that up and go long and you'll be like this is not what I wanted <laughs> or shave it all um, off and where's go, your okay. where's your water you okay here, yeah. oh good you good I, I mean he's hydrating over here did, did you play it. an NBA basketball game last night I mean just dribbled, just on, dribbled on yourself very good all right, we got a good one today. First off, we got no big fucker, all right? Oh. How dare he has a job. Uh, he's got to do some things for CBS today. So we'll let him off the hook, okay? That so, trumps what we do here. I know. Isn't that messed up? What but, yeah, just, okay. just barely. And then uh, we got our favorite thing, our new favorite segment. What the fuck happened? Players edition, okay? Ooh, because okay. there wasn't a lot of like like game-defining plays this week where you went, ooh, this play changed that game. So last week, yeah, it was a bunch of plays that there you, were, you we picked, do, which I love when you do that. We did. We just went into the plays as a jumping point, like, you know, Sam Darnold's long touchdown pass against the Cowboys, and I broke down what went on, and that yeah. was a jumping point to talk. This week it's going to be a little more player-oriented because I feel like that's where the conversation is this well, week, yeah, not necessarily about plays. I'm like, what? the F happened. Yeah, right. And we're going to get to that. And, I mean, I named it this segment so you'd have to swear at some point. So what's the name of the segment? What Can't the, hear you. I mean, what the F happened? What? Okay. what like, seriously, what like, uh, happened? Yeah. <laughs> All right. It could slip out. Today is the day it could Today, slip out. Today, no, I it's feel not. Like a little, no, like no, on Twitter the, this past week, I've been a little edgier. A little edgier? You know, like where you snipe back at people a little bit more than you normally do? Yes. I've been doing that, and yeah. so there is a chance I could drop the F-bomb. Yeah, I doubt it. I really, really fucking doubt that. Okay. All right, so let's start it off. Anything else you want to bring up before we get going here? I no. mean, let's just get in the meat potatoes. Let's There's do it. Let's Right There's nothing to talk about. Um, can we start with Sam Darnold? <laughs> yes, we can. Because because there was something that you were talking about on on PFT. Right. 
that you you guys jumped into the conversation about him seeing ghosts. Yes. Right. So yes. Let's, let's just start with there. Okay. Because yes. Because I have a strong feeling yeah. about this whole thing, and I for a second there I thought you were gonna uh, jump into the what I've been hearing a lot of people say. I was wrong, but well, you know how could they do this to him? You make him look like an idiot. You you set him up to fail. They should never do this again. And I feel like a lot of those talking points are incorrect. I agree. Your main point was well. That, what was your point first? Don't tell me so my this, main. So this was, this was, yeah, this was yeah. my main point with the whole thing. A lot of people say that when he when they showed him saying I'm seeing ghosts out there, it showed a lack of confidence, and yeah. that's why. Oh, how could you show him that? Because that shows a brittle man who's falling apart. It shows exactly the opposite to me. For a guy who can sit back there having a game that we all could see yes. was bad. Right. To be able to just say, have a moment Admit the truth. Say, right. I'm seeing ghosts out there. Yes. This is not going the way that we... That shows confidence. That does not show a lack of confidence. I, it, it certainly shows, yes, you're right. So being able to being say secure that. in the moment. It's yes. not embarrassing to right. say something like that. It's real. Right. And it's honest. Yes. And to be able to tell a teammate, I'm seeing ghosts out there. I thought they were rushing me. I thought they, there was pressure. There wasn't anyone there. Yeah. 100%. That's, if I had a starting quarterback who was young and 22 years old and learning, be honest with me. Don't be like, oh, I got this, coach. You know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make those plays. Yeah, because sure. it's like, no, you don't have this, obviously. No, no obviously this not. This is a rough game. Yep. Be honest. And so, and I feel like the, the fact that we've all said, oh, we got to, how could they let that? We all say we want to hear what really happens. Yeah. We can't handle that. We can't handle it, right? Because yeah. when we do hear what a quarterback really says or a coach really says to a, to a, uh, to a player, we blow it up. We do. We make it big. We ruin it. And then we wonder why, like, the next Mecked Up segment is going to be the most boring segment ever. It's going to be like, 100%. well done, guys. We, yeah. Good job, <laughs> right. team. And we're going to be like, whoa, right. thanks for that. Uh, I, I mean, yes, I'm with you. First off, I mean, I think it's been made of a bigger deal by both sides. The media and people jumping on, you know, Sam Darnold and saying, oh, it shows weakness and all that. And even the Jets themselves being mad that it got aired, too. Again, I just don't think it's that bad. This is a very common thing in the NFL. That's common language. Don't see ghosts. I mean, a lot of coaches use that as their coaching point. You know, know what you're seeing. Don't, oh, I think I'm seeing this and I'm just not quite sure. And that's what he was referring to. And again, he is a young quarterback like you're saying and he's playing like one of the greatest defenses through a halfway point of a season that maybe we've ever seen yeah. so they're special that way and they're doing creative things and Bill Belichick is all in on defense this year and he is the D coordinator so it's gone to another level but it's not like he's the first guy to ever say that on the sidelines I, I'm with you I appreciate the honesty I appreciate the peel peeling the curtain back like kind of inside look there I mean, I guess Adam Gase doesn't like it because it maybe makes him look a little bit like he didn't prepare the quarterback or his offensive game plan isn't the right way. But again, I don't take it like that either. I don't. Now, they were exposed, and we'll get into that here in a minute. But there's been Hall of Fame quarterbacks who have seen ghosts in the middle of their career. Did like, you see ghosts? I saw ghosts. I, I, I'll speak to a specific game for sure. 2006 opening game of the year, Baltimore Ravens, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and Chris McAllister and company coming to town, right? And they were whooping our ass. And I threw three picks, and I think like two of them in the first half, and one of them was a pick six. And I, it snowballed out of control to where I was seeing ghosts. Yes, I was 
you know, reluctant to throw the ball because I was getting like, oh, is somebody there? Oh, wait, no, he's open. Throw it. Like, oh, uh, just protection calls that I would never mess up that I had reps of like sure. 100 days in a row in training camp. All of a sudden, I'm not making the right protection call because I'm more worried about like, wait, let me make sure I got the secondary right. And Oh, shit, I didn't even look at Ray Lewis who's coming up to blitz and knock my head off. So, yes, that happens. So when you're seeing ghosts, it can be – multiple defensive backs where there are no defensive backs. It could be blitz it could be everything. that's not there. That, that you means you're there. flustered. It's yeah. just a, fl- a lack of – so Tom Brady was seeing ghosts in the Super Bowl in 2007 against the New York Giants, right? He was. And, and I don't mean this – I'm not saying this to be, like, mean or say anything about it, but Steve Spagnuolo came out with a game plan that they hadn't run all year, really, the Giants, so he wasn't prepared for that. The Giants' D-line was playing out of this world. And, you know, because of that, he was flinchy in the pocket and might have missed to throw here or there. I'm just using that as an example. But, you know, this is a young quarterback who was in a really tough situation against an undermanned team seeing a scheme that had never really been thrown at him. And because he's young, it snowballed. Like Tom Brady seeing ghosts in that 2007 Super Bowl didn't amount to anything other than maybe him taking a sack maybe once when he wouldn't, shouldn't have. Or he would have hit a completion down the field, but he wasn't sure because the coverages have been changing so much all day. He's not sure what he's seeing. I mean, Aaron Rodgers against the Broncos in 2015, the year the Broncos won the Super Bowl. He went out there and like threw for 75 yards. I promise you, he was seeing ghosts out, yeah. and he was going, "What the hell defense is this? Who's he, around and they me?" They may have said it, right? They yeah, I mean, it, it's so it's so yes, I think it's being blown out of proportion. So let's get to the the facts of um, uh, the matter. Here. So the facts of the matter. Before we do get to the, have you ever really seen ghosts like actual? Ghosts? Oh, actually like, seen home, ghosts like a haunted house. I'm or? waiting to like see one at my house. I have a house that was built in 1725. I don't know if you knew. I lived in a house that old, and they housed revolutionary, well, redcoat soldiers at the time. Uh, so yes. The chances are, it's actually I would more think, likely there are ghosts. I there would think. Ghosts, I, but you haven't seen them. Yeah, before. I'm a believer in ghosts, but I have not seen one. No. Have you? We've talked. No, I've heard. I think I've heard them before. You've heard them before. Absolutely. Like there's there's been noises that happen where there shouldn't be noises happening. Like boo. You know, not like boo, but something rattles and there's no one in the other room. Or yeah. You're knocking right. and there's no one in the other room. I right. think I've heard ghosts. Before. Okay, okay. I do, I do believe in ghosts, and I think they're real, and so does Sam Darnold. I he thinks they're real, people. too. All right, so so really, so so what the F happened here yes. to Sam Darnold? What the fuck um, happened? So basically, I've, I've looked at your notes. Yes, you and, have. And they say uh, that there was some pressure. Yeah. He, he was facing some defensive pressure. Basically, from play one to the end of the game. Yes. Uh, And the big thing is, and not necessarily on every play, but where New England really made life hard on Sam Darnold and Adam Gase combined is every time they got in a obvious passing situation. Oh, it's third and long or it's second and long and it's an empty set. There's no back in the backfield. And now Bill Belichick knows, oh, they're definitely passing. There's no back in the backfield unless they're going to run the quarterback draw with Sam Darnold or something like that. So that was the big thing. And to make it all like just button it up with one thing, basically Bill Belichick watched film and went, I don't think their blitz plans up to up to snuff up to par. I got to expose it. And I think that's really where it started. And he realized, I think, two things. One, that maybe Adam Gase and the offense didn't have the right answers in certain personnel sets and formations to answer the blitz. And more importantly, I think he looked at probably Sam Darnold's career and said he's never really faced, like, all-out pressure in a lot of these formations. And what's he going to do? And where is he going to go with the ball and with some of these formations to get himself out of jam? Does he really know what is being protected and what's not being protected? 
protected. And that's where it fell off from Jump Street. So the first blitz, the first interception where he has to kind of roll out to the right, okay? And he throws the ball over there in the flat and Devin McCourty intercepts it. Well, one, there was more blitzers than there was blockers. But to make it worse, one of the blockers messed up, too, to where a guy got up on Sam Donald quicker than he was anticipating. So now he throws the ball out into the flat, which New England knew was their blitz adjustment. Devin McCourty's sitting there because he's covering Le'Veon Bell going, I find it he probably knew, and I would not be shocked if they told him, just stand here on this one. Because yeah. that happens, too, when they feel like they have a tendency that that's glaring. Like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they used to tell Rondé Barber, if they get in this formation, they're going to run a slant. Go for it. If you miss it, we'll take the bullet and tell you to go for it. And more times than not, when they told him to go for it, he got the interception. And I would not be shocked if that went down that night where they were just like, hey, when they blitz and we're in, they're in this formation, he's going to try to throw the slot out route. And Devin McCourty goes, oh, I got Le'Veon Bell. I doubt he's part of the hot solution. And he sat there and got it. So that Game was the plan, thing. The blocking scheme was too vanilla for Bill Belichick and the Patriots? Too van- yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lack of a plan as far as where to go with the ball when you're outnumbered with blockers or not the ability to, oh, okay, I don't have a lot of blockers. We're about to let me, let me get some people in here and max protect yeah. to then block it up. And now I got one-on-one outside, and maybe I can take a, a Robbie Anderson one-on-one and one-on cover, you know, one-on-one coverage without a safety for a comeback or an out route or something like that. But what happened was it was over and over. I mean, whether you go to the um, the next drive, they went three and out on third down. They got to third and ten. He blitzed them again. They threw a really quick pass out to the right. They were fine with that. They knew they were going to throw a five-yard throw. Just rally, make the tackle. He won't get the first down punt. You know, then it started to be fake the all-out blitz, and drop people out. And now that's when I think Sam Darnold goes, I'm seeing ghosts. Because he's going, oh, my gosh, they're coming from everywhere. And now he's getting the ball set hut, and they give him the look like they're coming from everywhere, and people drop out, and he's double-checking, like, wait, is, we're, okay, we're blocked. Like okay. they're rushing seven, but they're playing six defensive backs. Exactly Doesn't right. Add Doesn't up. add up. Yeah, right. It feels like wrong. they're bringing everybody, but everybody's in coverage I too. How is that? Right. And that's where I think it went to. And it just really snowballed from there for a young guy who wasn't sure what he's seeing. And now he's feeling the pressure of, oh my gosh, they're, we're losing. I got to bring us back. They got Tom Brady. I got to push the envelope. Sorry, Julio Jones. Oh, no. And hold on. Let me get Julio straight there. And. It, and that's really where it all went wrong. The way it manifested was, was really interesting, too, because he was getting the ball out uh, very quickly. He had to because they were, they were all out. Yes, so yes. Again, uh, from snap to throw, he was averaging 2.5 seconds. That was the third quickest in the NFL. So he's getting the ball out quick. Yep. But what he was doing also was, was throwing the ball downfield. 12 and a half yards per vertical pass. Oh, yes, right. So there you go. Second highest the, in the week, gotcha. Carson Wentz. Okay. So he was getting the ball out quick, but he was throwing it deep downfield. So it was it was a. That's lack not of a conducive plan. to the plan, exactly, or to the defense you're getting. That what you're saying, the answers. Those are not like good That's answers for all out yeah. blitz. No. No. Now, I would have been, okay, yeah, that I understand that if I was like, oh, they kept a tight end and the running back in to block. So now they have like a seven-man protection. Right. And then they're throwing the ball plus 10 yards. That makes sense. But when there was like five blockers and six blitzers and you're still trying to throw the ball 
over 12 yards down the field? No, that's usually going to mean there's a disaster or there's a disaster on the other side and the guys keep falling down in coverage or something like that. But uh, ultimately, it was all that. And then it led to bad mechanics by Sam Darnold. I mean, gosh, he's got some, some of the interceptions there. I mean, there's nobody around him. But he's so jumpy and so used to being under pressure now that the feet are cockeyed. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not really seeing clearly downfield because, like you said, he's double-checking to see if he's, wait, am I protected here? Okay, I am. Let me look back up. Whoa, the picture changed all of a sudden. And uh, it, it just was a total bad team effort uh, by the offense, the coaching staff, and Sam Darnold. Well, and it, how much does everything. this play into it, too? You know if you're, you're Bill Belichick that you have a quarterback that's not going to scramble. He's not going to hurt you with his legs. So it's not like he can evade the blitz with He's not a the runner. Pocket, he is a slider and a shuffler, yes. I did look it up. And uh, yes. who do you think has more scrambles this year? Uh, kind of a, a pass play that turns into a run, just scrambles between Sam Darnold yes. and Tom Brady. Ooh. Who has more scrambles in 2019? Well, considering Sam's only played two and three, game, three games, I'm going to go with Brady. Uh, Darnold has one. And Brady has what, two or three? Zero. Zero? He has <laughs> <Gotcha>. none. <laughs> That's so hilarious. Darnold does have he one. Does. You <laughs> trick questioned me. Yeah. Uh, good job there. Um, but but th- that's another you know facet of it is like, let's see how he handles it. We know it's not going to be with his legs. No, you know, no. He so. is a mover in the pocket more than he is a runner. Sure. And that's his beauty. And you're right. With the all-out blitz and that, and everybody's converging, now you can't. there's nowhere to shuffle or move. Uh, he's got to kind of just stand there and make a throw. And if I would say this, if there's a weakness, to Sam Darnold and something that I want to see and this was an issue with me coming out of USC and I mean you know, my dad actually talked about this in the podcast last week this is one of our concerns when he's got to just stand in the pocket and stand there and make the throw that's not always when it's the most perfect for Sam Darnold he's actually at his best when he's kind of sliding around and moving and dealing that way but the other thing before we move on yeah. to was Sam Darnold and this I mean of course they're out man they're playing a good defense a game plan they weren't prepared for it all of that but, you know, it's still a brilliant game plan by the New England Patriots. Again, their ability to expose teams and their weaknesses is second to none in the history of the NFL. And like a lot of those blitzes where we talked about where I go, you know, it's not an all-out blitz, but they made it look like a blitz. Well, what they do, right, Can you, I'm going to jib this real quick, all right, just real quick. Oh, you're standing up. I'm going to stand up. Because, Early in the podcast. Because this today. is what they do to really stress you out, too. So not only is everybody at the line of scrimmage, bam, and like just say, okay, let's say I'm um, – you know, Devin McCourty, for lack of a better name. And, okay, oh, I'm going to blitz. And the first two or three times he was there, he blitzed, right? Yep. But then, okay, so now that let's just say he came, the guard was blocking him every time he blitzed. Now the next few times they're going, oh, they might have a plan ready for us, so let's be careful here. So the next time he goes and just stands there, set hut, and he stands there for a second. So the guard has to stay there to mm-hmm. block him, but now they bring somebody else, and then he backs out. So he might go, oh, like, it's, I'm blitzing, I'm blitzing. And he kind of hops there, and now the guard has to sit there like, wait, is he coming? And now they can't adjust to what really is happening. Right. And then he drops out over the middle to take away a shallow cross or whatever it may be. Sure. And that's the brilliance of Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Can I give some love to a, another Patriot? Sure. Um, Kyle Vannoy. Yeah, so baller. He, he's been sent on a blitz 43 times this year. They're blitzing him a lot. Yep. He's 10th most of any player. They're using him. Um, 28-year-old. Uh, he's having one of the best years of any defensive player he up, is. up to this point. Former second-round pick out of BYU. Yep, I made a lot of tapes for him I, when I was in New England. Barely played for the Lions. I know. He played his first two years with Detroit. He played like 7% of their snaps right. on defense. And, and he's, he's said that they told him, 
They, they, they said that we don't know how to use you. Yeah. And he goes, well, well then why'd you draft me? Right. Because he just was not utilized in Detroit. You trade him over to uh, the Patriots and Bill Belichick for a sixth-round pick, which some, some have called this the best move. I mean, they've made a lot of moves over there with New England that were very good. This is a special um, move, though. He played 91% of snaps last year. I think he might be having a better year this year. You he is. You, you looked at a lot of tape with him. I don't miss a game, really, of New England. And, yeah, he pops every game. His, his versatility on the front seven is – you know, it's as good as anybody in football. I mean, he can play middle linebacker, you play outside linebacker, you play defense end, he can cover tight ends, he can cover running backs, and that's where they're beautiful. You know, they have this amazing secondary, and then they have all these versatile guys in their front seven and front six where they can mix and match according to your personnel, and, oh, you blitz, you drop, oh, this week you blitz and you drop, and they can change it up so many different ways. That's what makes it hard on offenses to get a beat on, wait, who do we protect, who is the guy that it's usually the blitzer. You know, that's, that's how teams prepare for things like that. You can't really get a beat on New England. So given that, as we wrap it up yeah. with Sam Darnold, yeah. do you, does his stock go up or, I mean, down in this game because of how he performed, or do you just chalk it up as he's playing one of the best defenses he'll ever play? Yeah, he's playing one of the best defenses he's ever played. He's still learning football. He got exposed in his young career on something that he has a little lack of knowledge in and wasn't necessarily helped out by his head coach to – make the proper adjustments once they got exposed, has okay? Has your opinion changed a bit It has all. not. I'm not going to let it change me. Not, not because of that. I, you know, and it, but the, the big thing this is this. How he looked so awesome against Dallas a week ago, right? And then he looks like yeah. that against New England. This, this is just one thing I like to say to everybody out there. Again, this is something we preach on the podcast a lot. This is the great example of it's a lot easier for a quarterback when he walks in the line of scrimmage every time and he's playing the Dallas Cowboys and he goes, oh, it's this defense for the fifth time in a row. Oh, it's the other defense they play for the fourth time in a row. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's this defense or that defense. It's this defense or that defense. Every play. So you walk to the line of scrimmage. You're comfortable. Oh, coach taught me to do this, blah, blah, blah. New England, you walk up to the line of scrimmage, you're like, what the fuck? Right. Who the fuck? What coverage is this? Who, who's standing in front of me? There looks like there's 25 guys in front of me, and they're moving around. Wait, who are we protecting? And then you say set hut, and you're all worried about that, and you go, wait, what did coach teach me on my own play? I can't yeah. even remember anymore. So that tells you just a little bit about making quarterbacks think with disguises and different looks is more important now in 2019 than ever before in the NFL. And to be fair to coaches out there, I, I'm, I'm Nobody's New England. A lot I get of, that. I'm certain a lot of coaches would love to do that. And yeah. I'm sure a lot of coaches have actually uh, tried to do that. And then we – that's where you see some of the breakdowns and uh, broken yes. coverages. And you go, what are you doing out there? And like, I should have kept it simple. Yes, well, yeah. <laughs> it, you want to keep it, you know, I, within your wheelhouse. It yeah. doesn't take a lot for if the. You have a team that can handle it. They, right. In New England, obviously. I'm not does. asking for Dallas to re, re, you know, re. What do I want to say? Reinvent, Reinvent the, the wheel. wheel? Yes. Yeah. No, I'm not asking for that. I'm just saying, like, just throw a few curveballs with okay. the talent you have, and that'll be enough. Let's go to the Cowboys because uh, I think they had a uh, what the F happened to player last week that you were talking a lot about. Yep. Ezekiel Elliott. Yep. You go, why don't they use him? Um, they used him uh, more this week. Right. That's for sure. Um, he has, uh, I was looking up, I mean, they use him to move the sticks quite a bit. They as, did. As they should. Yep. 35 rushing first downs this year, second most in the league to Chris Carson. Uh, they get a lead. That's how they're uh, super dangerous. So you said, though, last week that you felt like Ezekiel Elliott had lost a step. Yes. Maybe some of it was not being in shape, in or maybe he's lost a step. We'll 100%. see. Right. Um, 
seeing him against the Eagles in a game that was a crucial game for, for yeah, both teams. Right. That was a game they had to win. Seeing him step up, uh, how is your opinion different now than maybe it was a week ago? Yeah, it's better than what we saw, certainly. I mean, I, I mean, I, you, you watched the game. You saw it. You yeah. ran with anger. There was decisiveness. It just got the ball and went downhill and went, I'm Zeke Elliott. I'm going to run hard, and we'll see where it goes from there. I do think at times he becomes a little too or tries to become – too perfect with his vision and like, oh, I have to make sure I hit the right hole. You're not always going to hit the right hole. Just run hard and make a decision because your athletic ability and your size and power are going to be enough more times than not. I think that was the big thing I saw. It was downhill, let's go. You know, he can fall into, oh, you know what, I'm going to jib again. I'm going to jib it again, okay? You're going again. Don't yeah, one more jib, jib session. Okay, let's because the other thing he'll do at times is get a little bit like Le'Veon Bellish where – you know, he'll kind of get the ball and take it slow and like, oh, where am I going to go and do all that? You know, that's not your style. You're not Le'Veon Bell who's going to, like, find it and then dance around and do that. Yeah. You know, the game the other night, he got the ball a few times, and it was as soon as it was set hot, it was, uh, and he just went down and flew down in the hole and got into some car crash hits where you went, mm, that was a one-yard game, but he got four yards because sure. he ran hard. So it still was not perfect, Okay. There were still a few runs where I, if I'm, I'm not going to – I can't lie to the audience where I want to go, here's Ezekiel, you should have made that guy miss or you should have got 10 more yards on that run. But it was definitely better. And I just want to see that more than anything. I don't know. Maybe we will never get the game-breaking speed that we saw his rookie year. Maybe he'll never be that. Maybe yeah. he's already taken enough hits to where he's lost, you know, half a gear or whatever. But either way, the way he ran the other night, I think, is a lot more conducive to him and his running style and his traits that he has uh, other than trying to do, like, the Le'Veon Bell thing that I've talked about. 22 carries, 111 yards. His longest was 16, so he didn't have that real, real long one. They did throw to him quite a bit. Yes. He was targeted seven times, caught six of them for 36 yards. And so he, he was the, the focal point of the, the Dallas Cowboys offense in a game where they threw up 37 points and beat a division rival. Dominated. So, I mean, so it's, a, it's a game plan for, for moving forward for this team. Yes, that and with their play action pass. And, you know, you know I wrote, one of the things I wrote in the notes, and I know you saw it, like, you know, they have a good base of plays, and then they have some game plan specific plays every week where the defense goes, woo, we haven't seen them do that, and they're doing that to us. Just for instance, like the first touchdown. You know, they got Tavon Austin. He runs a little – they run a little option pitch to him. They haven't really done that all year. They did it off a little fake to Ezekiel Elliott, and then they come out the backside. Like, little things like that, that gives your team an advantage. And when you have a talented team, you just – you don't need a whole lot of advantages. If you can just get your coaches to give you a little schematics, schematical advantage here and there, that's when you have the chance to blow a team out 37-10. to 10. You know what I thought was kind of interesting, too, and I was looking at the, uh, the yards after contact yes. for Ezekiel Elliott. And you kind of think Ezekiel Elliott should have – a high number of yards after contact. And, and it's not where it should be, I'm betting. On a per-rush basis, he's 20th in the NFL. There you go. Is not really ideal. And it's funny because Tony Pollard is a guy you don't think of that, and he has the six most yards after contact per rush in the NFL. So the, the more the scat back type is actually outperforming in yards after contact than uh, Ezekiel. Uh, I think it goes to a lot of what we were just saying and what I was saying. I mean, it's, it's, it's got to be – it can't be this, like, controlled, I'm trying to find the right hole all the time. You're a running back. Sometimes you just got to run like a bat out of hell and just go. 
and see where it goes from there. And, yeah, I mean, I want to see more runs like we saw in that first big run of the night where he got down to the one-yard line. It was originally called a touchdown, and then they, you know, reviewed it, and he was like a foot short. But when he ran over Malcolm Jenkins, I believe, in the middle, like that's the Ezekiel Elliott I remember. You know, the Ezekiel Elliott I saw in Seattle the preseason, his rookie year, where he ran over Cam Chancellor twice to start the game. Like I haven't seen that guy a whole lot lately, and I'd like to see him again because I think he's certainly capable of it. Dallas, just big picture on their offense. You know, hey, I'm not giving up on Dallas as a team. I think they're talents, too talented on offense with everything they do. Uh, the game plans by Kellen Moore, I'm always impressed by it. You know, and then they have, you know, downhill run game, good play action, a few game plan specific plays like we talked about, and they have people you need to be scared of. Mm. Whether that's Zeke and really the number one guy I think you need to be scared of on the Dallas Cowboys is number 19. Amari Cooper is a game changer. I mean, he is a guy, if you're not accounting for him, you're going to be in trouble because he is going to burn you eventually as if you play one-on-one. As far as a route runner in the NFL yes. right now, where would you put Amari Cooper? He might be the best. He might be number yeah, one. I think so. I think he's in that combo. I know last year I made a top five route runners, and I kept him out of the top five. And uh, I know a lot of people were mad at me, and I was like, damn, yeah, that might be one where I might have messed up. He maybe should have been in the top five. You go prove me wrong, Amari. And, and he's, he's, he's proves me wrong. He's every week. Yeah. I mean, he has, like – ankle-breaking type routes. Yeah, and the speed and, and just the, the feature. Uh, they got weapons. This this Dallas team has, uh, yes, has weapons. Yes, they do. But can I, give, can I give a little lineman love, too? I like to do that every once in a while. Please. You know, the linemen, they don't get the love. No, they, they never they do. They deserve. Maybe on draft day. We, they get the most love on draft day. Draft day or when they sign a new big contract. We and never everyone's talk, like, we the never hell talk them. about them again. Yeah. Uh, we, we talk a lot about Smith on the line there for Dallas and Collins. How about Zach Martin, uh, their guard? Mm -hmm. Sixth year. Former first-round pick out of Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. He's played in every game so far this year for the Cowboys, despite some ankle issues, a back issue. Uh, he's been there playing for uh, for the Cowboys. Zach Martin, I want to give him some love. Good. Uh, he deserves it. I mean, yeah. he's one of the best offensive linemen in football. You can football. say he doesn't deserve it, too. If no, I, no. If, I, he if I've given love inappropriately, you can say don't give him that much. One time. of the best linemen in football and really was the best guard in football until his Notre Dame alumni friend Quentin Nelson got drafted last year who I would say now is the best guard just beating him out so the top two guys in, in football as far as guards they're both from Notre Dame uh, and yeah I mean Zach Warden's an unbelievable player uh, can we stay in the same game yeah and can we talk about Carson Wentz because sure I don't think you know 10 points and, and you're you're hoping that Carson can come up here and light up this uh, Dallas defense that has shown to have some holes. Aaron yeah. Rodgers has been able to do that. They've had some games where it's just you're, you're scratching your head. Um, so what happened with Carson Wentz? We got 16 to 26, 191 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Couldn't really run the ball that effectively. No. It just was kind of a total failure for that Eagles offense. But right. you hope in a game like this, this is why you paid Carson Wentz the big money. This is why you drafted him. Yeah. Um, you hope he can carry you to more than 10 points. That was not able to happen. What the F happened with well, Carson well, Wentz? Well, I mean, nothing happened with Carson Wentz. My, my answer to what the fuck happened with Carson Wentz would be what the fuck happened to the other 52 guys on the team. They're allowed to do something. You know, that's the, the you know, it's always. I'm listening to talk radio and watching highlight shows, and it's Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz. I'm on the lunch line on NBC Sports here, and people going, what's up with Carson Wentz? So I want to go, nothing. Playing really good. The rest of the team sucks. So it's hard to look good when everybody around you is sucking. I mean, that's really all there is to say about it. You know, the who is there to be scared of on the, on the Philadelphia offense? Who are you scared of? Who? I mean, 
Alshon Jeffrey not running away from anybody and never getting open. Yeah. Um, Zach Ertz five yards over the middle. Is that what we're scared of? Uh, Jordan Howard between the tackles with one of their three run plays they run. Dallas Goddard. Oh, that's the guy. Fear. You're shaking I'm, I'm in your boots because of Dallas Goddard. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's issues with this offense. They, they're a little bit have no identity. I, you know, that's where I want to say with them right now. You know, what are they trying to be? It's, it's a lot of shotgun. It's a lot of short to intermediate passes. You know, with no Deshaun Jackson, they have nobody that scares you down the field. Um, there's not enough game plan specific plays. Yeah, Dallas is a defense that plays the same defense all game for the most part. Well, in games like this, they look good because Philly's an offense that kind of does the same offense every game. They don't really do anything new. Every now and then there's a new wrinkle, but like I didn't see anything in this game where I went, ooh, I've never seen Philly do that this year. So there was none of that, you know, and that's their issue. If you can't run the ball, you're pretty average at pass protecting, you know. You played a Dallas team that was pissed off because your head coach said they were going to go down there and win. Mm -hmm. You woke Demarcus Lawrence's ass up. You want to talk about what the fuck happened with Demarcus Lawrence? Yeah, you, you kind of put him on notice. Yeah, I put him on notice too. Well, like Ezekiel Elliott, you can't like get $100 million and then disappear and be like, oh, I'm cool over here. I'm counting my money next to the Gatorade bottles. No. Like, you know, I wanted you to be paid for $100 million, and when you don't play good, I'm going to have to tell people you're not playing up to a $100 million man. So then he comes out against Philadelphia. He has one sack, four tackles, had a quarterback hit with that sack, and then a forced fumble. And a forced fumble. And, I mean, I mean the first forced fumble, those are game-changing moments. That set them up to go 14 nothing, and that was all they needed. That was night-night. I mean, now you got the Eagles playing a game they don't want to play. But, yes, by far his best game, uh, he whooped Lane Johnson on that side in the pass game and run game. Lane Johnson struggled altogether in the first half of the football game. But, you know, you've heard me say this before, follow the money. Well, you know, the money, where the money on your team is, they're the ones that have to perform to carry your team out of tough spots. Well, Zeke Elliott showed up, got paid money. Who caused the first fumble? Jalen Smith got a new contract this summer. You know, second fumble, Demarcus Lawrence got a new contract this summer. Those guys got to perform if they're going to be paid like stars. And I think that was the, uh, the positive thing about the Dallas Cowboys. Looking at the Eagles offense, uh, the wide receivers, just speaking to your point of where, where are the playmakers right now, uh, of all the teams who have played seven games so far this year, yeah. only Washington has fewer yards after the catch than the Eagles. See, so there you go. I mean, and again, I don't look at these stats. That's why I'm, I love when you back me up with my thoughts that yeah. I've seen through film. And like I say, if there's a stat that will not back you up, I just cross it out and I don't read it. <laughs> yeah. it does no, well, I want you to prove me wrong if that's that's where I got to then self-scout myself. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, that just speaks to the, the, the lack of playmakers. You know, Deshaun right. Jackson would be nice to have uh, exactly. around. Exactly. They need him back. You know, they're, they're between, like, like I said, Alshon Jeffrey's a covered receiver. That's what he is. He's not famous because he gets open. He's famous because he's a big target and a big body. And even when he's covered, yeah. you can throw him 50-50 balls or balls high that he'll go get. Zach Ertz, good route runner, but he's not like George Kittle where he's going to split the safeties and run for a 70-yard touchdown. Where is that gone? Where is he yeah. gone this year? Well, I think he's you know, such a focal point of their offense, and they are a little bit predictable with what they do in the past game. You can almost play areas with Zach Ertz and go, he's going to be, like, right here hmm. in the middle of the hashes the whole game. So if we just keep a guy around there, we'll make it tough on him. But, you know, there's, here's just last thing, and we'll yeah. move on from this game. You know, uh, Dallas D-line outplayed the Philly O-line. 
you know, the Philadelphia Eagles have two downhill running backs in Sanders and Howard, and they never run downhill. They're in shotgun running side to side the whole game. Okay, that bothers me. You know, uh, they have nobody that scares you at receiver, and then they don't even take shots downfield. I mean, they threw a slant and go in the first drive, and I don't know, I think I wrote this in my notes, have they thrown a ball downfield since? They got a penalty on a, on a, on a deep throw too. So they, had, they have to start stretching the field. They're becoming too predictable about the areas of the field they're always attacking to where not only can you match up with their players man-to-man, but now you're going to be able to drop people in certain areas to stop their offense too because it's a little predictable about where they attack. Yep. All so, right. uh, and, if, and if Deshaun Jackson comes back, are they? Does does that make them? It'll make them more dangerous, again? but it's still we got to remember Malik Jackson's not there, Timmy Jernigan's not there, Avante Maddox is not there, Ronald Darby's not there. Uh, you know they did lose Dallas Goddard for a little bit. Yeah. You know Jason Peters is hurt. No Deshaun Jackson. It's a team that's ravaged by injuries, lack of playmakers, lack of creative pass play design, lack of a running game, and average pass pass pro. You know what that equals? 30 to 7, 10 losses. That's what it was. That's you know who wrote a lot about uh, this game? What? Um, Peter King. Oh, the old Peter King. He, he writes a lot he about He tends to write Dallas about football every now and then. And all the other teams, too, you're right. Yes, he does. Well, he is Peter King, and he knows all the team. The Peter, the Peter King podcast, I mean, you know what I always say. He's a legend. He's always worth the listen. He's quirky, he's smart, he's funny, and he knows quirky. a lot of things. I've never heard him described as Yeah, quirky. you've never heard him as quirky before? Well, you need to hang around him a little more, and you'll <laughs> understand. Uh, but he's got his latest pod with Devin McCourty, okay? And tonight at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Wednesday night, okay, on NBCSN after hockey night, okay. there's a special, the film session. And that is going to be worth the watch. And I don't know if I'm going to watch it tonight because hopefully I'm in bed by then, okay, and going to sleep because i got to get up early. You need to watch it, which I will not. But I've seen some of it. No, and I will watch it when I'm just not getting up at 5.30 in the morning. But he's got a conversation with Brett Favre, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and they're sitting there going through film and watching old plays. I mean, come on, that's Can't Miss TV. I've seen snippets of it already. It's really good. And, of course, Brett Favre uh, was Patrick Mahomes' idol growing up. So that's kind of cool to see that interaction. Check that out. Peter King podcast. Set the DVR or uh, or just watch it live. Yes. You don't have to get up at 530. Or I would think we would show it in rerun at some point here. Yeah, this weekend, absolutely. Right? Yes. On demand. Everything's yes. on demand now. Please, please. Uh, I, I've been informed that Peter King is a big fan of this, this segment that we're doing, What the F Happened. I, oh, uh, he would chuck, like that. I would think he would like that. that. Yes, yes. And so there's one quarter, another quarterback that uh, a lot of people have talked about, and mm-hmm. What the F Happened to, although he's never really been anything in the NFL so far, so maybe nothing has happened to him yet. Yeah. Mitchell Trubisky from, yeah. uh, from the Chicago Bears. Uh, another another rough game for him. Where It's a Chicago Bears team that, for having a quarterback that has a lot of question marks around him and has never really proved himself, they certainly throw the ball uh, quite a bit and, and don't take a whole lot of the pressure off. And maybe some of that is is game flow and, and how, how the game played out against the Saints. Yeah. The Saints beat the Bears 36-25. Um, yeah, they, they couldn't get a running game. They couldn't get a passing game. But Mitchell Trubisky, there are serious concerns right now that he will never be the guy that the Bears need to be a perennial playoff contender. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm, done, I'm done defending Mitchell Trubisky. I was a big defender of him last year. You know, there's aspects of his game that I, that I have liked. Okay. I mean, his athleticism, he does have a strong arm. I think he's gotten actually worse at throwing the football this year. Hmm. And I don't know. 
you know, mentally, yeah, he's in, he's mixed up too. Now, part of that is probably because of the Bears and Matt Nagy never really instilling any confidence in the guy. I mean, from day one, he had to say, he had to publicly tell everybody he had to, you know, pull back the offense, right? So I didn't, I've never liked that aspect of this, and I don't think that's helped this situation out. Now, you know, again, Mitchell Trubisky wasn't good, and there's issues. I get it, you know, uh, and the first thing I want to say is there's not people open very much in Chicago. Okay, and I can really probably sit there and go, there was like maybe two or three times during the game the other day where people were open. And I think he missed both of the throws, especially in the first half. You know, and the first thing is, and I think you've heard me say this, you know, hey, he's going to miss throws. You're going to miss throws when, again, if you're standing on the clock and throwing to 11 o'clock and you're stepping at 9 o'clock, I don't know how you can expect the ball to go to 11 o'clock if your body is lined up to throw it to 9 o'clock. Yeah. You know, Mahomes, Rodgers, yeah, Brady, they can do shit like that because they're fucking awesome and they're naturals and everything like that. But, you know, and they've played a lot of football. Mitchell Trubisky's not there yet. He can't do that. So, you know, when he misses a throw, though, it's more glaring than maybe we would see with other quarterbacks and other offenses because it's not the last time in a quarter and a half we're going to see somebody open for a while. You know, that's the other issue, that's too. True. Now, you could put whoever you want a quarterback for the Chicago Bears. They suck. I don't know other way to say it. The offense sucks. They have no identity. They have two or three running plays. They don't pass protect that well. I don't see people open very much, if at all. Okay. Uh, and then plus they played a defense in the New Orleans Saints who's the real deal Holyfield. Yeah. I mean, they're real. But, you know, again, this offense is all over the place with the Bears. And I have nothing positive to say about it. So I think that's the biggest issue. And as you've heard me say before, when you don't have one thing to hang your hat on, you know, the Demons never has one thing to worry about. They can kind of just, oh, hey, they're in this formation. Coach told us they like to do this. Oh, they're in this formation. Sure. They told us they like to do that. You know, when you when you play the Dallas Cowboys or let's just say, you know, the, the San Francisco 49ers, all right, or somebody like that, teams go, oh, my gosh, the run game, the run game, the run game. And they give you some run game, run game. But then they have all these things off of it that make defenses go, wait, i got to worry about the run. Oh, gosh, play action pass. All those kind sure. of things. There's nothing with that with the Bears offense. They threw the ball 54 times. He kind of had one of those, I, I like to call him the Dan Marino at the end of his career game. Definitely. He, that's what throw, it was. Just throw, garbage time stats. 251 yards. Some came late. But it's like if you throw the ball 54 <laughs> times, you should be in the 300s for, uh, for yards passing. Definitely. I mean, this day and age, pass. you really should probably be in the 400s with this day and age and that. Threw it to Allen Robinson, which I do think Allen Ro without Allen Robinson, where would the offense be? They threw to him 16 times, caught 10 of them for 87 yards and a touchdown. I feel like he's maybe their only weapon yeah I think he's right there yes he's, Cohen when he gets some right field I mean uh, he's their only legit really well-rounded wide receiver I think that's the big thing there David but, Montgomery has been a bit of a disappointment I think as a running back for them definitely him yes day. well I mean you know I had concerns about him all along he looks cool and it looks good moving but it doesn't go anywhere that yeah. was my issue at Iowa State there'd be holes where I want to go damn we could drive a Mack truck through there and get 50 and he would get 10 in college so why is everybody shocked that he's getting one now in the NFL? I don't understand that. Third worst yards after contact per rush in the NFL this year, David Montgomery. Well, there so, you go. Okay. So, yeah. Either. But at the same time, <coughs> like you said, this is a Saints D that is it's really good. good. It is you got really Cam good. Jordan, who, if you add up all of his hurries, knockdowns, and sacks, he's got 25, second most in the NFL to Khalil Mack, um, who has 27. Right. Demarcus Davenport, eight quarterback knockdowns, one off the NFL lead. So this is a 
If you're struggling and if you're Mitch Trubisky and if you've had a hard time getting a foothold of the NFL game, you're not going to get right. Against no, the against us, no, you're right not. Now. You're right. The Saints are they're they're killers up front. They will beat like really brutally beat you up with their front four, and you know Dennis Allen's figured it out in the back end. I mean, he just got a great blend of disguise coverage mix-ups. Ooh, when to play man to man. He really has it. And I think that's changed their football team, you know, for the best. And the big thing is, you know, I'll just say this. I, I, I wrote this at the very end, and I think you saw it. The offense is so bad, it's comical. No joke, the offense in Chicago is in the running for the worst in the NFL. Being exposed at every level, uh, whether it was predictable in the past game, run game has, is predictable as well, let alone there's, they're just not very good at blocking up front. Um, and their pass protections were exposed too. So they got exposed at every which way you can as an offense, and that's why it was a disaster. Uh, but yes, the Saints' D starts with up front, like you said, and then when you play a predictable offense like that, Dennis Allen seemed to blitz people, yet their five guys could cover everybody perfectly in the yeah. back end because they knew where the Bears were going to end up. And I'm not being rude about looking at my phone. This is mm -hmm. how I have your notes right here yeah. this time. So I've, I just, yeah, oh yeah, good. Don't worry. If I'm okay. looking at my phone, I'm not checking Twitter I knew you wouldn't be. Like yeah, that. yeah, I got you. You're not texting, a rude guy. That's not what you do. Every once in a while. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, Matt Nagy's a little defensive. You, you, see, you see in the press conference, he goes, I want to run more than seven times a game. But, <laughs> but uh, it just didn't work out that way. Well, yeah. So well, Matt Nagy was in total damage control on his Monday press conference. He was having long, long conversations with the media, hoping to smooth them over with his charm. You know, it's like an old Bill Parcells trick. Like Bill Parcells, when the Giants won, you know, the, the, the press conferences were real quick and snippy and Bill Parcells. When they lost, he sat down on Monday and talked to the media. Like, let me, I'll let you know what really happened. And, yeah, I mean, that I was what kind of move. I need you on, need my, you on my side. side. Yeah. Right, that's what kind of move it is, and that's what Matt Nagy is trying to pull off on Monday. Okay, so that's an elite defense that he had to face there. So yes, we'll, it is. We'll an elite, him, team, elite team. Elite team all yeah. around. You're right. So we'll yeah. give them half a pass there. Saints are 6-1 and one now, yep. which means that maybe they didn't need Drew Brees to be their quarterback to have a successful year. Oh, go figure. <laughs> well, like someone was saying. I'm <laughs> well, not saying they don't need him. No, but, I know. You know yeah, they'll be better when he's in there. But, yeah, to what I've just been arguing, arguing over the last year and a half. It's a team sport, and we've all put way too much on the quarterback, and this is just another good example to show everybody that the other 52 guys somehow do matter in a football game. The elite defenses are showing themselves early this year. The Rams uh, last year uh, rode the reputation of having an elite offense, although I think it kind of disappeared at the end of the year, and yep. it, we haven't seen it so far this year. So if they're going to make a run – this year, it's going to probably be with a with a revamped defense, yes. a defense stepping up, and so we're going to go with uh, with a little spotlight on the Rams' defense with what the f happened because not that we're indicting him, but we just want to know, hey, what the f happened with Jalen Ramsey in his yeah. first game with the Rams? Yeah, you went on uh, Jalen Ramsey watch, right? Watched every the, the yeah. Falcons. O, which the Falcons are not a good team, but their offense can do some damage. They have some dangerous players. So, yes. so and you got you're matched up with Julio Jones, basically one on one. Is that from looking at the film? Is that how they they deployed Jalen Ramsey in his first game with the Rams? For, for the most part, yes, they did. I mean, when they, when he was in, he matched up with Julio Jones. Uh, now there was a few plays of zone coverage. Uh, you know, there was a play here and there where maybe he played man and Julio was on the other side and he just played a guy on the other side. But for more times than not, he did match up with him. Did he have a safety behind him one time, which allowed him to play two-man? Uh, I found it interesting. I thought the Rams, the Rams actually 
took a page of what New England did to the Kansas City Chiefs and what even did to them, the Rams, in the Super Bowl, which was play man-to-man, -man, one safety in the middle of the field, but yet when the ball was snapped, the middle of the field safety went to double Julio with Jalen Ramsey. Mm. So, just for instance, the go route down the right sidelines to Julio Jones, I think it was a 39-yard gain down the right sideline. Well, he looks like he's running – be, and like Jalen Ramsey got beat off the line of scrimmage, but Jalen Ramsey on that play was expecting his safety to be over the top to double him. So that kind of got him. Now, did Julio catch a few balls on him? Yes, he did. I mean, I think, what was it, four for 63? Six targets, three catches, 69 yards. Right. Yeah. So, and one of them was a 39-yard completion that we just talked about. Listen, right. that's a phenomenal job. I mean, every coordinator in football would go, wait, uh, three catches for 69 yards when we match you up man-to-man -man, like for the majority of pass plays against the freakiest one of the freakiest guys we've seen ever. They're going to take that all day long. Uh, was it his best, most perfect game I've ever seen? No, but gosh, did not play in three weeks and go out there and play the way he did. It was phenomenal. Uh, and and I, I think I'm really excited just to see the creativity as it goes on. But his ability to match up physically with Julio Jones and yeah. beat him up at the line of scrimmage and, and you know Julio trying to push off at the top of routes and him not being affected by that, I think that's the thing that jumps out to me more than anything. So you have, as part of the move, to you, know, you lose the keep to lead. Yeah. And then you trade Marcus Peters, who you had acquired in the offseason in Kansas City, and you gave up quite a bit to get to get Marcus yes. and then didn't get total value for him. Right. You trade him away. He gets the pick six for for Baltimore and his uh his first game there. So overall, where we stand here today is where we were two weeks ago. I mean, you, you lose a couple defensive backs in Peters and Talib. You gain a really elite one in Ramsey, yeah. but is it a wash? I mean, where, where, how, how much better are the Rams defensively now than they were a couple of weeks ago? I think this makes them more dangerous where they are right now than they were a couple of weeks ago just because of – Still a lead up front. You know, you still got a lead Fowler up front. Exactly right. I mean, Fowler was amazing in the game, and so was Aaron Donald. I mean, he is every game. It doesn't even worth saying. But Fowler was amazing as well. Um, but the, the – I do. I think even with a healthy Tlaib and Marcus Peters, they're better off with a better Jalen Ramsey – than either one of those. Now, okay. Tlaib might come back, I think, still. He still has a chance to come back off of IR. Maybe I'm wrong. But Ramsey is a game changer. And the fact of Ramsey that you can play him on one side of the field and have him go against best receivers, you know, you're just going to allow more flexibility with a guy like Wade Phillips to where he's going to be able to do a lot of different things in the secondary with him, like I saw him do in this game. He did things in this game, like the defense I just explained to you, that I haven't seen him do all year. Sure. Uh, you know, the Jalen Ramsey effect is real, too. There was a number of plays where Matt Ryan drops back and he looks at Julio first, but Jalen Ramsey gets such a good jam on him at the line of scrimmage, Matt Ryan gets off of it because he's like, oh, gosh, that doesn't look good. Now, Julio came open, but it didn't matter. It was already ruined because mm -hmm. within Ryan's rhythm of the play, he's going, wait, when I'm on, my, I'm on my fourth step and Julio's only two yards downfield, I better start looking at the second guy. Well, now he gets to the second guy too early because he didn't really give the first guy its full chance. And now the second guy, he's going, wait, he's not where he's supposed to be. And he's, well, you're there too early because Jalen Ramsey kind of messed the play up. You know, even though it's on the edge of the sideline there and all that. You know, Matt Ryan missed Julio Jones on a few out routes, threw it high on the sideline. Why? Because he's fucking scared of Julian, I mean, Jalen Ramsey picking the ball off. So he's being careful with it. Uh, so that effect is very real. 
And uh, I just think it's only going to get better and better with and, that group. And he didn't play 100% of snaps. No, like he's just getting in shape. I know. That's crazy. Of the Missed three snaps. weeks, cover the best guy in football. No problem. So uh, Rams defense trending up. I think so all the way. Trending up. Can yeah. I give you a quarterback who's trending up as well? Is that it? You Is know. Yeah, no, nope, I think that's no. it. We hit it. it. Okay. The Falcons suck. I'm going to give you a, yeah, yeah they're, they're just not good. They, they need uh, a total you, a total re revamp. Yeah, and, and last thing with that. Yes. The Ramsey, and because I, I wrote this and I started it, yep. you can tell the team and the organization is fired up by his presence. I mean, just some of the plays he made along the Rams sideline, you could see the coaches are like, and players are like, yeah, you the man. Yeah. Like, and he's that he brings, kind of player. He right? brings he's that, that too. Yes, he brings a special energy to the field. Did he remember when he went off on quarterbacks? Did he go off on Jared Goff at all a couple Ooh. years ago? Hey, I don't know. I don't specifically remember I don't him. I don't think I, he's called him garbage. Come, I think that would have probably come up if, <laughs> yeah. uh, if he had called him that. Oh, average. They think they, 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 call they, him average. average okay, okay. Which you know, sometimes for Jared, Goff, that might be a compliment. Like, <laughs> uh, thank you. I didn't think I played that well. I, I was. I've been the Jared Goff hater, considered that all my life, and now I've turned into the guy who's trying to defend him all the time because I think the narrative has gone too far the other way now to mm. where I found myself defending him more than telling everybody, no, he's not one of the five best quarterbacks in football. Okay, and here's another quarterback that yeah. you that you said you spoke highly of. Even before he was the starting quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts, Jacoby Brissett. Um, see, what the F happened to can be like, man, what the F happened to this guy? Oh, but it also can be like, hey, what the F happened to this guy? This guy is really actually really good. Uh, yeah, right. Could be a positive. Right. Uh, Jacoby Brissett against the Texans. Huge game. Colts improved to 4-2. and two. He threw for... 326 yards, four touchdowns, outperforming uh, Deshaun Watson. And I thought it was interesting, uh, the Colts offense. So you think it, we've talked about the Colts like, oh, man, it's kind of easy to play quarterback on a team that has a great running game and you right. got great offensive lineman, Marlon Mack. He gives you a lot. I mean, Marlon Mack had 18 rushes for 44 yards. Frank Reich went heavy. Jacoby Brissett, first drive, nine passes, yep. ending with an 11-yard touchdown. They threw the ball a lot. They it was did. on him to win the game, and he did. It was. Yeah, and that, that's the way to say it. I mean, you're right. First off, the Texans' run defense is good. So I think Frank Reich went into that going, man, I don't know if I want to mess with that group on there too much. Sure. Let me see if I can take advantage of some of their weaknesses, which has been their pass defense. Their pass defense has been a weakness really all year except for the Kansas City game, which people are going to go, what? That makes no sense. Well, Kansas City – with some of their simple route combinations, make it easy on defenses. It's their talent that scares you in Kansas City, not necessarily the, the route combinations. But the Colts offense, Jacoby Brissett, one, um, he's just such a pure thrower of the football, and he has an aggressive mindset. So he's coming up, and the first read with Frank Reich's offense, more times than not, is down the field. It's a, we're looking to throw something 20 yards down the field and make that throw. Well, he fits that. He's big. He's strong. He throws perfect spirals. He's got a very strong arm, okay? Is it, I'm not saying it's like Mahomes or Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers strong, but it's like the next level down of guys where you'd go, ooh, it's punny strong. He can launch at 70. He can throw deep out routes, all of that. But I think more than anything that I come away with when they just people want to, you want to go, what the fuck happened with Jacoby Brissett? Yeah, we talk about his talent and he's good. But the big thing to me is the Frank Reich offense. Frank Reich, I think, has gone, I, after now going into year two and seeing this, and especially without Andrew Luck, he has gone into another stratosphere, I think, as a game plan, caller, designer, all of it. On a, on, I mean, it's his offense has everything, and he keeps you off balance. Yeah, you'd think he might want to run the first drive of the game. He's got a great offensive line and a pretty good running back. No, he didn't. 
He kind of just went, no, we're going to throw it every play. The week after, we ran it every play against the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's a part of his brilliance. He keeps you not only off balance with his personnel sets and, oh, you know, it's second and ten. They're for surely going to throw it here. Oh, they run it up the middle for seven. Like, he never gives an offense or defense a beat on what he's going to do. And uh, can, we rank, can we rank them then? Yeah. Can we rank your uh... – offensive masterminds currently in the NFL? We can. I can rank them because right, so when I brought be, this up and I found myself writing it, I was like, you know what, where is Frank Reich for me, so offensive minds First of all, is he in the top five for you now? Has he made it into the top five in the NFL? Yes, he has made the top five for me. Okay. Yeah, and I know that's not easy to say. Okay, so this, this is where I'll say. Um, and I, this is not necessarily any particular order. So you've got the top five. I got the top five. I'm going to put him at five no matter what. So even if I like, was ranking. So it seems like you just went into a particular order. Well, <laughs> but I, I don't even know where to go. I didn't think about it deeply. But these are the names I wrote down so as it, far as okay, my who's five in, best. Who's in the top five? Shanahan. Okay. McDaniels. Okay. Sean Payton. McVay. Frank Reich. That would be my top five. If you gave, here's five guys, and you could, you got to pick any five. To, to lead your offense. To lead my You're offense, yes. Those. Now, I got honorable mentions like Andy Reid, of course, North Turner. I think John Gruden, Bruce Arians, they're in that conversation, for that next group down. You would take Frank Reich over all those guys. I would, yes. Frank Reich's offense has everything. And you know I'm big on, okay, yeah, your offense has everything. And, you know, there's diversity in the run game. He's got a number of different schemes of how he runs the ball. His pass game, number of different uh, things he can do in the pass game at a different personnel sets that can all create uh, explosive plays. His play-action pass game's phenomenal. So I like that. But to me, where these five separate themselves from, I think, the rest, and this is where I would put him in this class now, you hear me say this a lot, game plan specific plays yeah. where he goes, oh, when I get in this formation, they like to play these defenses. Well, I'm going to get in the lab with a pen and a pad and try to get this damn label off, okay? That was Dr. Dre, just in case you wanted to know. Um, but he's going to – yes, it was. Uh, yeah, but he will get in there and come up with a play to screw that over. And I'm big on that yeah. because you can't always just go, oh, we're going to run our stuff and it'll work, right? Yeah. It's just not there, always going to happen. There's the philosophy if, if we execute the way we're supposed to execute, it doesn't yeah. matter what they do. Yeah. You know, but – but he says, no, no, it will matter what, we, what they do because we can beat it. Yes. We, if they do this, we can beat it. We can beat it. And not only can we beat it, I feel like I can gash it. And maybe if we get in this formation three times, we might be able to go three for three for 90 yards. And that's where he's special that way. So he puts a lot of pressure on a defense like that. But I never find myself with Frank Reich ever going, oh, I wish he just had an answer for that blitz. Or, man, he doesn't have the right answers for when they play man-to-man or – Oh, gosh, they're, they're very predictable with their formations. And, yeah. you know, is it two tight ends? Is it one? No, you can never get a beat on them. And that's, to me, what makes him great. And he seems like he has the same type of Belichick Patriots mindset of, if it's working, we're going to keep doing it. He it's will not ex- like, oh, we've run quite a bit here. We probably should even it out with a little passing. It's like, yeah. no, against the Kansas City. They're not stopping it. We're not going to stop running. Right. He's doing, doing whatever he has to do to win that week. Yeah. I think that's the big thing. Now, their offense, like statistically, I'm sure is not even like top 10. 
or anything like that. They might even be way farther down, and i got to look now that I'm talking about it. But they're 22nd in football. Some mm. people are going to be like, what are you talking about 22nd in football? Okay, well, context matters. Uh, I can tell you why they're 22nd in football. I'm going to pull up their schedule real quick. Well, they're starting a new quarterback with Jacoby Brissett. Mm-hmm. So the first game of the year against the Chargers, the Chargers can't stop the run. They saw that, so they wanted to run the ball. And it's Jacoby's first start as, you know, the first game of the year, all the pressure. So they manage them. They play the Tennessee Titans the next week. The Tennessee Titans D is the real deal. So, yeah, I mean, they have unbelievable corners, scheme, everything. They're giving a lot of teams tr- trouble. I mean, the Tennessee Titans, I think, is a top 10 defense. The Falcons game, well, they stink. Yeah, he lit it up. You know, the Raiders game was a little bit of a, a blip, uh, you know, a blip on the uh, screen. Yeah. But still, Jacoby Brissett in that game threw for three touchdowns. He was 24 of 46. It wasn't like the worst day we ever saw. You know, so they're they're and then you talk about the Kansas City game. They went back to no, we need to win the game. I'm not just going to be like, oh, we just want to have good stats by Jacoby Brissett. So they did what they had to do to win that specific Leading game. The clock, yeah. And then this week it was changed again. So they went back to something different. Can I pick out one play? Because they got a good player. I mean, they, they do have talent in, in their tight end. Eric Ebron, talented. Yeah. The, uh, the third quarter touchdown to make it 21-9. The one-handed catch. The one-handed catch. Yeah. That was a good throw from uh, Jacoby Brissett back at the end zone. Right. Great one-handed catch from Ebron, who has three touchdowns this year. Needs just 10 more to match what he had last year with 13. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's I not don't happening. think he'll get there. But did you see on that play, Yeah, they have their uh, all-pro guard, Quentin Nelson line up as a fullback and ran a route. He ended up in the end zone. He actually ended up probably too close to Eric Ebron on that play. Wait. He, I'm telling you. Yeah, I, I didn't see it. So just so you know, I'm just I'm being transparent to yeah. go, I don't think I even I realized mean, maybe, that there. Maybe I'm seeing ghosts. No, maybe you're not I'm seeing. seeing ghosts. You're seeing correctly. Um, but they, he lined up as a fullback, right. ran a route to the end zone. He almost had his arms up like uh, – like he was going to make it. So now what I want to see, that, I, I, they're 4-2. They're and two. Yes, I want to see Quentin Nelson catch a touchdown. Well, he's a beast, okay? And we already talked about him. I mean, he's one of we the did. best guards in football. But now you got me all, like, flustered here. Are you here. looking it up? I now? am. I got to look at the damn play. I, I got to it. Here we go. So I'm yeah. here. So, so here we go. You're right. Uh, you're 100% right. I, and he's, like, and I totally. He is. He's at fullback. They motion the tight end from the left to the right. Play action pass to the left. He, they're they're basic, they're running Spider Three U Banana here, okay? Because Eric Ebron is the Y. Maybe he's the Y here. So they're running Spider Three Y Banana, Spider Three Y Banana, <laughs> okay? And yeah, Nelson's in the flat, and I don't know if he was open, but might look, have been out of the But either I, way, he fades back into uh, Ebron and probably. It's a good athlete. He really is. He's good. But I missed that. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, yeah, I was looking at him. Uh, so that you remember the Colts traded down to get him. So yeah. They were three. They traded down to six. Because the Jets went up and got Sam Darnold at right. three. They got three second-round picks for trading down. And they get Quentin Nelson. Colts, have got, they got some good things Yeah, I mean, he's them. on pace to be a Hall of Fame guard. That's how good he is. Before we talk about this next quarterback, yeah. let's talk about the guy who uh, who likes this team. Although, doesn't necessarily like this quarterback. Let's Oh, I know. He doesn't <laughs> want to like this quarterback. He doesn't want to like no, him, no matter unreal. what he does. No, he does. He's going to obviously have to win a Super Bowl MVP for the one Michael James Florio, the host of the PFT PM podcast, uh, Monday his pod, okay, he's got an interview with Travis Kelsey. He's breaking down all the big trades going on in football and all the things that he's hearing behind the scenes, okay? Mike's 
you know, you got to listen to Mike. When Mike tells you he's got a feeling or my gut tells me this, that means somebody's told Mike something. That's why you listen and perk up. I know I do. But download, subscribe to PFTPM Podcast. I do our collaboration picks podcast with him tomorrow. Always fun, worth the listen. But as you know, I think Mike Florio is the man. And I also think his quarterback, Kirk Cousins, is the man right now, too, <laughs> despite he what he says. is the man. Yeah. A lot of heat early in the year from uh, the fans, the media, that Kirk Cousins is the reason this offense was not clicking because Delvin Cook was running wild, and it seemed like it should open up some stuff for the passing game, and it wasn't up until last couple weeks. Cousins, once again, he was 24-34, 337 yards. Four touchdowns. That was even without Adam Thielen for most of the game. He went out with a hamstring injury. Uh, Kirk Cousins is back as they beat the uh, Lions 42-30. Uh, what the F happened to Kirk Cousins to make him really good again? Well, what the F happened is a little bit of what we're, we saw the previous two weeks before this, you know, uh, against the Giants and um, who the hell did they play the week before this? I'm blanking out on my team. I got it right here. The Eagles, right? Okay, so... The, 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 the big synopsis is this. First off, he's on fire. I mean, he's accurate throwing the football. He's aggressive. He's given everybody in, in the media world the big middle finger to go up yours. Look what I'm doing. He's given that uh, to Florio? He right is. Now, oh, without think? a doubt. I think he's double barreling to Florio. He's like, <laughs> hey, Florio, you see this? Eat that. Uh, but the biggest thing, and this is a lot like Green Bay, they're playing through the run first. And we know that. It starts yep. with Dalvin Cook. But they have more play actions and boots than anybody in football. Almost every one of his big completions. First touchdown to Thielen. He's booting left. Sets up, throws it back across in the middle of the field. Touchdown. Okay? The, the uh, second touchdown. The one-yard pass. Play action pass. Touchdown. Uh, the, uh, the, the five-yard touchdown pass to Ham was a play action pass. Touchdown. The... Last touchdown of the game that was set up with the four-yard run by Dalvin Cook came because of a play-action pass deep shot Mm. to Stephon Diggs. So they have found a really simple formula in, okay, we're going to run, we're going to run, we're going to run. Oh, you're getting too aggressive with backside people to stop our run and Dalvin Cook can't cut back? Well, we'll keep booting Kirk Cousins out that way. And now because you're too over-aggressive, you're too far to the right, and Kirk is way to the left, and the receivers have now passed you on the left – and they're open, or they just straight drop back play action, and they're aggressive with what they do down the field in the pass game. It's very similar to Green Bay. Maybe a little less boots or more boots than Green Bay, and Green Bay might have more true play actions, but it's a similar formula, and then he's got guys who can win one-on-one battles because they see a lot of one-on-one because they run the ball, and teams are worried about stopping that. Stephon Diggs was the second-fastest ball carrier of Week 7 on that 66-yard reception. Was he? So yeah, they, yeah, you're right. they got talent all over the field offensively. Here's the play action. Uh, our YouTube audience can see. What they did the first four games, play-action pass percentage, 27% of the time. Last three games, they're almost up to 50% yes. of the time. And the success, the yards per attempt. The yards per attempt is up. way up. Touchdowns have gone way up. Seven to, uh, to zero, the TD to interception ratio last three games. It was one-to-one the first right. four games. So there you go. I mean, there it is. And that, I love that. Now, yeah, like you, you saw, my my one of my notes in there was like, hey, I feel like I mean, the PF numbers, PFF numbers for play action must be really good. I mean, I, I underline that in the notes because, again, I don't look at that stuff, but 
I just know as I sit there and watch a game and I watch them every week the last few weeks because everybody wants to talk about this, I just go, play action pass. Whoa, good one. Play action pass. Whoa, good one. Bootleg. Whoa, good one. And after the game's over, I sit there and go, damn, I think I've said that 40 times already. So yeah. that's just what led me to believe that. I think that's really impressive. We talked about Dalvin Cook. So one more thing on yeah. Dalvin Cook, too, because yeah. running backs are interesting. They, uh, The offensive line have, have been doing their job. They uh, yards before contact. That's also a stat they keep track of. How far you get down the field before you get hit. Yep. Alexander Madison, Delvin Cook, both in the top 15. I in can NFL. believe that. Yeah. You add that to the fact that Delvin also has the second most yards after contact in the NFL, so he's not facing contact. And then once he gets it, he's getting he's more saying, yards fine. after that. Yeah, right. Um, so you have that. But then th th this is interesting. It's really amazing, actually. For both, for both of them, yeah, right? and it's, it's amazing. And the, the stat about Dalvin Cook of that he's you know top 15 before contact and you know one of the top most. after. Is, Who do you think's the the best yards after contact in the NFL? Oh, right yards, now? yes, yard. Dalvin's number two. Okay, oof. Who's the big bruising back that gets more yards after you're, contact? You're 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 tricking me with that. It's no, probably I'm not. not, not really. I, I'm I want to say Leonard Fournette. It is Leonard. Fournette. Okay, I would right. say I would think so. He he is one. big and bruising. Dalvin Cook is two. Yeah. So so how do you how do you stop the Vikings now in this current? I mean they don't have Adam Thielen. He has been ruled out for the Washington game coming up on Thursday. The Vikings have faced the fourth fewest blitzes of any NFL team. Well, you're going to be scared to blitz them because of the things we just talked about. So, right, you can't do that. Yeah, I mean, just think about it. Oh, we're going to blitz four guys off the left side. Well, what if they have a run call to the right side and now you have nobody over there and you're going to, like, risk roll the dice on yeah. Dalvin Cook one-on-one -on -one with maybe your defense end? You know, that's, so, that's where they're putting you in the bind with that, that kind of stuff. So I've figured it out. You know, yeah. there's been this whole talk because Adam Schefter talked about that Tom Brady is going to, you know, get, opt out or not go back to New England next year, finish his career with another team. He's going to choose the Vikings. They got so many weapons. <laughs> they got a running game. They got great receivers. They got a good offensive line. That's the team. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's not fucking leaving New England. <laughs> okay. There's no chance in hell right. ever. But if he were to do that, then maybe he would. Yeah, if my aunt had balls, That's... she'd be my uncle. But, you know, she doesn't. She doesn't have <laughs> balls. She has ovaries, so she's my aunt. All right? Uh, That's just the way it goes. One more little thing the Lions D and how they tried to defense this offense yeah. is they stacked the box just 16% of snaps against Delvin Cook, which yeah. was the second fewest of the season for, for Delvin. So that, you know, it's like you pick your poison, right? With That's this what offense, it is. The way it's working right now, which is why I think it was so frustrating for Kirk Cousins because it was like you just need to be an average quarterback with the weapons that you have around right. him and now he's playing above average and it's very dangerous yeah he's borderline MVP conversation list I mean that's where he is right now but yeah it was it was it was annoying because oh it was run the ball and then the passing game was like, oh, it's time to pass, and they're just going to drop back. They're not going to make you think or yeah. do anything. And you it's didn't just, think that was all on Cousins? No, it wasn't time. fair. And their drop-back passing game is just not that impressive. So, you know, they went to another area where they felt like, ooh, we're a little more creative and impressive that way, and that helps. And, you know, to Dalvin Cook, yeah, there's great running, run blocking for him, but also, I mean, gosh, he can run up into a hole, and it closes up, and he can stop on a dime and bounce it outside for a 20-yard gain, and no one touches him. And, you know, that's the amazing thing about him. Two guys I want to give some love Go. to, though. Pat Elfline, their left guard, their first-round pick center, okay. uh, Bradbury. Uh, they're phenomenal. I mean, week after week I watch them, and that was another thing I wrote about PFF. I, I just feel like every big run I see – 
comes behind them or it has something to do with them having the toughest blocking part of that run scheme and they get it done to spring it. And to your last thing with Patricia, with like not loading the box. box, Well, he's got a lot of big people. So he put the pressure on his big people to basically say, I hope you guys can stop the run because I need to keep safeties back because of this deep play action pass. And, of course, he didn't really get either – Either way there. You gave love to two linemen for the Vikings. Yes. Yeah. I, I wrote down uh, the right tackle, Brian O'Neill, too. So that was a different, well, uh, a different he's, lineman. He, they're, they're, they have no weaknesses on their O-line. Um, you know, O'Neill is good. Uh, he's a tall, like, you know, long kind of right tackle. Um, they're all good. There is no weak spot. I mean, even at left guard, uh, left tackle, who the hell is that? Riley Reef at left tackle? Or am I getting it confused with him? I think it. Yeah, it's Riley Reef. Uh, so there's no weak spot either to where you watch them and go, oh, they have a real issue there. Yeah. You know, they can they can consistently run the ball behind all of them. O'Neal grew up an Eagles fan. He grew up in Delaware, not too far from Philadelphia. His grandmother still roots for the Eagles. Does not has so. not has not been converted to a Vikings fan for wow. for Brian O'Neill. What a disloyal that's, grandmother. That's unfortunate. Yes, yeah, unfortunate. Uh, I I got one. Yep. What the f happened to to Patrick Mahomes? Actually, I uh, I was playing he against hurt his him. Knee. I, that's right. I yeah. was playing against him in fantasy. It yeah. actually came in quite handy. Quite handy. Quite yeah. handy that he went down. And then, not that we ever would. No, have I know what you mean. Would, right. But if it's going to happen, you might as well happen when you're playing against him in fantasy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So he goes down. Although he he is back uh, practicing today. They got uh, Packers and Chiefs at Arrowhead Sunday Night Football on NBC. There's rumors. Don't rule them out yet. I mean, that would be surprising. I think there, I read somewhere where the uh, Matt Stafford had a similar injury, like in 2009, missed four games. Hey, I don't know if there's, a, you know, everyone's different, every injury is different. Yeah. But if he's out there practicing, it seems unlikely he would play on Sunday. But, but he wants to give it a go. So if he doesn't play, though, yeah. then you got Matt Moore, who yes. to begin this year was a scout for the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> there's video of him out there scouting uh, Kyler Murray. Uh, for the Dolphins early in the year. 35 years old, was undrafted out of Oregon State, was out of football, and then Kansas City, when uh, when Chad Henney had a broken ankle in August, said, you know, hey, Matt Moore, you still know how to quarterback? Come on back. And he did, and he played this game, and I'm curious what the film said that Andy Reid, who, while maybe not in your top five of offensive... Uh, still really good. Still really yeah, good. Yeah, I don't like to say that. How is this offense going to look different with Matt Moore? Yeah, that'll that'll be the big question. And I don't know if we got a real, like, true answer or if I got one for you either after watching the film because you have to take in this to account. They're up 10, they're up 10 to 6, yeah. and they're on the four-yard line going in, and that's when Mahomes gets hurt on the quarterback sneak, right? So they end up kicking a field goal to go up 13 to 6. The very next drive, they cause the strip sack fumble touchdown, so they're up 20 to 6. So they got to play from a position of power from the get-go, right, to where they didn't have to go like, oh, Matt Moore, we need you right now to – Drive the offense, but they did use so so they a- did after halftime. Yeah, you go hey, let's get to halftime. So after halftime, they come out and Andy Reid started. They ran it with Lashawn McCoy, right. and then five straight plays in a row. Yeah, they threw it with Matt Moore. Yes, they so did. While they didn't need to, they had the lead. That's they, what they, they do, though. They They're a throwing team. You're yeah. right. They did, and 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 we'll see. I don't know what the final picture is going to look like, but I can tell you for at least from what I saw from those plays that yeah. you're talking about, certainly. The biggest thing and my biggest takeaway, I mean, it's very, it's much more conservative with Matt Moore. Sure. Uh, one, it was a lot of 
two-man routes, uh, max protect. We're not sure what they're going to do. So we'll just send two guys out, and you just pick whatever matchup you like best, okay? There was a lot of that. A lot of just, like, non-thinking, basic-type quarterback plays. And I even wrote them down in my notes. I don't even know if you saw. I wrote down some of the routes. Right. Just to go, like, this is how simple it's getting. Oh, it's an eight-man protection, and the two receivers run five-yard outs, and that's all there was on the field. Or it was eye formation and, you know, little play action, pay it pass. Kelsey's blocking the two outside receivers run out routes, and the fullback runs a seam up the middle. Oh, he threw the out route. You know, just little things like that. So that's what I saw more than anything, a dumbing down of the offense and a less vertical offense. That's where I think it'll change more than anything. Of course, Matt Moore, you know, He's somewhat new there. He's not going to know the offense up to Patrick Mahomes' capabilities, but he's smart. He's been around football, so I'm sure they'll be able to add more. But the big thing is I think you're going to miss the vertical aspect of their game. Matt yeah. Moore's not, like, famous for, you know, launching the ball downfield to Tyreek Hill. What you think? Well, that did happen. Though. It did happen. What did you think of the 57-yard touchdown where he did step yeah. up in the pocket quite nicely Stepped there. up, threw a nice rush. little touch ball, let Tyreek Hill, like, run under it and gone. And that was a great – and this is what I'd like to see from more with Andy Reid. It was a game plan specific type play. You know, they ran a little play action, okay, and basically Kelsey and the receiver on the front side ran like two post routes, so they're going right to left. And now Tyreek Hill's coming underneath from the left side, and it looks like he's running a shallow cross. He turns his head like, hey, I'm running the shallow cross, hoping the corner will follow him, and then he wheels it up the sideline, and he threw a great throw, and then, of course, Tyreek Hill outran uh, Chris Harris Jr. because he outruns everybody. But I don't know if we know. We'll see what that offense is going to be totally look look like. You know, can Andy Reid go into running mode and run the ball more? Yeah, do they you have know? the personnel for it? Well, I, you know. Healthy I mean, personnel right now? Their O-line yeah. is not at its best, certainly. No, they're not totally healthy there. I mean, you know, that will be the big question for me. Can, can Andy Reid come up with enough tricks and plays this week to hide the fact that he doesn't have Patrick Mahomes? And can he run the ball a little bit on a Green Bay defense that I think the run defense is very suspect? Hmm. It's the weakness of their team. So can he take advantage of that if he doesn't have Patrick Mahomes? Mahomes is going to want to play, okay? This is was like we always talk about like quarterbacks, you know, oh, we don't play against each other. This is one of these matchups, really rare, where it's going to get personal. I'm just telling you because Mahomes and Rodgers have never been on the field where they're not like, I'm the fucking guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm the man. I'm the most talented quarterback on this field. I have the laser. I have the, le- the legs and the escapability. And it'll be the first time both of them are going to step on the field and they're going to go, wait, am I the best one on the field tonight? I'm not sure. And they're going to want to show their ass. And that's why I'm, like, heartbroken that it might not happen. But there's a if chance. It, if it, hey, but if it doesn't happen, yeah. it's still must-see TV. Yes. Sunday Night Football on NBC. Well, it is going to be. Okay, <laughs> and this is one other thing. Like, we talked about Matt Moore. I just want to flip to this real quick because this goes into big. And I talked about this last week, about something I wanted to see from the Chiefs. Went oh, back to our yes. full-ass, okay, half-ass so conversation. 100%. Oh, yeah. thank, you for bring, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. You're flipping over to the, uh, the defense. Yeah, I think we hit the offense. I, don't, I, mean, I, I, did yeah. wanna, I did want to do a little more lineman love to go, the right tackle. Go ahead. Mitchell Schwartz. Yeah, okay. I mean, he's one of the best in the game. Eight, I hear that. Eighth year. 
Yeah. Um, he has played every snap this year, and I found this interesting. He has never missed a snap in his eight-year career. Holy shit. He has never missed a snap, yeah. let alone a game. Right. Started every game. That's almost uh, over almost 8,000 snaps. Yeah. Over 119 games. That's insane. That right tackle. Sports. Well, right tackle. you know, he's got a brother that played football. He's He's half cave. Jeff, he's half right? cave man, sure. right? Jeff. So the, he's half, cave, half man, yeah. cave men usually play a long time in the NFL. Okay, so your big gripe with the Chiefs is okay. You got this elite offense, yeah. right? Right. Um, on defense, you're you're letting a slow bleed happen every right. to, to every other opposing offense. Right. You're just kind of playing back. You're letting them do what they want. You know, five yards a pop. You're giving up a lot of points. Run people running the ball down your throat. So against it. the uh, Colts, right? Yeah. It was just a slow bleed. Couldn't get the stop, but we're also not taking a whole lot of chances. Same with the Houston Texans. That game too. The same thing. They ran the ball, kept the ball forever. Mahomes is on the sidelines forever. So it was. It, it's a theme. So we. we we, we, that's where we talked about. Yeah. They're, they're half assing it. They're half assing it. And you want them to whole ass? I want a whole ass. Give I want some ass. Kim K full ass in there, okay? That's what I want. So against uh, the Broncos, <laughs> uh, an offense that doesn't scare you. I made John McDonald laugh. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> So you know, maybe you don't give them a whole lot of credit for going whole ass against a, a Broncos team that they really can't do a whole lot of damage. Maybe, but there's there's some weapons there with Emmanuel Sanders back when he was a, a Denver Broncos. Yes, until today. Um, but uh, the, you think they went for the first time this year? They went whole ass. They went whole ass. Wow. All right. So you you always hear like you know complimentary football, right? Like this team plays complimentary football, and then people just move on. They don't really tell you what it means, right? Well, complementary football is mean your offense and defense complement each other. And you can't have a quick strike offense and then a slow death defense. That's not going to work. That's when you're going to get dominated by the Colts and the Texans because it's not matching up for the style of play that you want to play as a complete football team. So the first drive of the game happens, 10 plays, 75 yards. Denver smashes it down Kansas City's throat for a touchdown, okay? From that point on, it was a different Kansas City defense. They kind of played vanilla that first drive. From that drive on, it was like they said, let's full asset. Here we go. And it was almost a blitz or a crazy disguise every play from that point on. Hmm. And I found it extremely encouraging. And they played better and faster because they weren't sitting there just taking body blows, you know, on their heels all the time. After the first time all year, they were going like, we're in power here. We're dictating the flow of this game. Joe Flacco is flustered and he's throwing the ball and getting sacked and, you know, we're coming and we're feeling confident and here we come. Well, they put them in a position of power all of a sudden. Stop instead of just playing, oh, we'll play cover three and play sound and, oh, it's a five-yard completion. Oh, it's a 10-yard completion. And yeah. So that stopped, and I found it really refreshing. I mean, good job, Spagnolo, uh, Spags, okay? I mean, that was phenomenal. Not only was it the blitzing that went way up through the roof, and I don't even know what the numbers were, but either way, they had nine sacks in the game, okay? They had 11 on the year up to that. So they almost doubled their output in one freaking game. Mm -hmm let alone yards were great, uh, you know, two only allowed in 205 yards. And you're right. I mean, the Broncos offense is nothing special. I get that. But I still think this is going to be the formula going forward. And so, they made yeah. Joe Flacco, who's an experienced guy, there was a number of times where he dropped back, and I think he was going, uh-oh, I haven't seen this on film this year. What is this coverage? Wait, am I protected? 
He was seeing ghosts. He was, he was okay. seeing them. He would never admit to no, that. No, but though. they he were confusing saying, him and doing different things. I had it under control the whole time. <laughs> it, was not, it was not flustered one bit. But so, I like it. So here's the question. Yeah. Do they whole asset versus the Packers? Well, they got to figure that out. I would say yes. They need to hold asset because they got to just, this is the way their team is going to play or should play when Mahomes is healthy. But you don't have Mahomes. I know. So Moore. are they going, this will be the big question of the game. Or is the offensive formula going to change? Are they going to get in high formation and run the football and do stuff like that? You know, then they might go back to the half-ass approach. But even but it, within it the half-ass like approach. It, was it wasn't like it was working, though. You no, know, no, I know. The half-ass approach, well, I'm just saying maybe they don't blitz every play. Maybe yeah. they just blitz a little bit more than what they were. And the disguises were the big things for me, too. They, they you know, Rodgers and Green Bay are actually going to be at a disadvantage this week because now they're going to go, damn, What's coming this week? They blitzed and did all this stuff. It's like a new defense. We only have one week of film of them really doing this, mm -hmm. where the six or five weeks prior to that, they played one way, and now it's almost like, oh, that's kind of out the door. So I, I like the approach. I think it's the proper approach. I don't know how it's going to unfold with Matt Moore. I do know when Patrick Mahomes is back in, it should unfold the way it did after that first touchdown the other night. And two players I just want to yeah. bring up. I think Morris Claiborne is going to really help this defense. You know, him being back after suspension, and I think he's getting in playing shape. He pops on film. And this other kid, 27, Rashad Fenton, he's a rookie from South Carolina. He played nickel for them a lot in this game. Really liked what I saw there. Have a feeling they might phase out Rashad Breeland there a little bit because he's been a little bit of an issue in man-to-man -man and penalties and all that. So that'll be interesting to see going forward. Rashad but, Fenton. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep, Rashad Fenton, number 27. Check him out. Um, <laughs> But either way, that's that, and that's all I got for you in our little segment called uh, "What the, the What the Fuck Happened." Don't what listen the... to Ahmed. Okay. That, I like that. That was you like good, that was good because you get. I think to... I probably went too long on all of them. I'm supposed to be quicker, and then probably the people in the back are like, "Shut no, up." No, but Chris, you do go... the. See, here's the thing. I, you do the work. I want that information to get out. I want that information to happen. <laughs> Thanks. You know, it's like you've written it down. It yeah. should be said. Okay, on, good. On a on a podcast. I don't want to waste my time. And now it's time for. Damn. Okay. Oh, no, <laughs> no sorry. Yeah, this I, is Wednesday. That's sorry. My favorite song. Sorry, though. Monday guy. You got to deal with Wednesday today. Oh, I'll just sing it to myself. Yeah, please, Damn. please, please. Okay. Okay. Damn. okay. <laughs> All right, that's it. We're done. I'm embarrassed by his moves and his singing. I <laughs> no, can't take it anymore. Okay. The singing was bad. You the man. Damn. Thanks for coming in. Absolutely. Always, always enjoy it. I love your little stats too, by the way. I love them. And Lineman and love. And love. I love the big nasty love. Uh, you know where to find this podcast. Uh, NBC Sports uh, or YouTube slash NBC Sports. You know where to find me on Instagram uh, or Twitter. I'm not saying all these damn things. Tomorrow <laughs> podcast, Chris Sims Unbuttoned, Mike Florio, PFT, Your PM, picks. joint collaboration, picks podcast. I'm getting it you right now. You were 3-0 and last week in your uh, picks. Yeah, right? and, I will, and I was 3-0 in my bets. This week I was 2-1 and one because oh, two of the slop fest and 49ers Redskins game. throw that one out. So, but I feel like I got a hold on the NFL right now. You might want to listen to me. I might make you some money. All right, peace out. I'm done. Can't take it anymore. Bye. Peace. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.